Amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. If you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 4. It's good to see so many of you here today. Uh, thank you for hanging out. I just got to tell you, it's just a joy to be your pastor, a joy to get to spend some time with you this morning on a very special day. If you are a guest with us, I want to let you know that this isn't what we do every Sunday, for the record. Uh, so some of you thought maybe we were just kind of that crazy church. Now, listen, something I could get behind, uh, candy, popcorn and M&Ms, uh, donuts, treats, like, let's do this, y'all, all right? I'll leave you a table up if you'll do that every Sunday. But uh, what, what you are here for today is what we are calling Connection Sunday. And what Connection Sunday is all about for us is helping people in our church family get connected to life at crossroads. So uh, some of you have come in the last year or two. Uh, oddly enough, I've said this before, and I know some of y'all think I'm crazy, but like during the pandemic, so many churches have struggled and declined where the Lord has allowed us to really maintain and even grow in many ways. So many of you have joined us in the last few years, and what today is all about is kind of showing you a little glimpse of what life at crossroad looks like. So in this room, what you will see are our life groups, uh, and not all of them are represented, but those who are, are, took time to do this, we're so thankful for them. And if you are looking maybe to connect and do life with some other people, I would encourage you to go and visit these tables and, and check it out and kind of talk to them about their different groups. And out in the lobby, you'll notice we had several other tables. Those tables are the various ministries that you can plug into and do life as part of our church and connect that way by serving others. This is an important day for us, and I just pray that you will take some time. In fact, we're going to give you a little bit of time today. We're going to end our service in a different way here in, you know, a few minutes. I only preach for about an hour and a half, I think, today. We'll see. There's always one. Thank you, Miss Sandy. Uh, and the rest of you are like, uh, come on, Sandy. Uh, but it's fine. Uh, I love you anyway. So, <laughs> so, so listen, we are going to kind of end this thing so you have some time to go and walk around and try to get connected. Now, what I want to tell you is that in a church our size, we always need more life groups. So some of you maybe have skills and are equipped and love people and you're like, man, I could do one of these life group things and I want to encourage you maybe today to pray about starting a life group. Now I know some of you are like, whoa, man, I go to my life group and we're like talking about you know, what clothes Moses was wearing when the Ten Commandments were given to him. And like, I ain't got time for that. Like, I'm not that kind of deep study person. Like, I can't teach like that. That's not my gift. I, I want you to hear me say this, and I'm going to make this very plain. If you can read, you can lead. If you can read, you can lead. We're going to start creating some tools for you that will be available in the month of March for you to take what we talk about on Sunday mornings and lead a group around that. We're going to have a video with a sermon recap. We're going to have a discussion guide based on the sermon that will be available to sermon-based small groups on a section on our website that will be just for you. So if some of you are thinking like, well, hey, this is my day and the Lord maybe is speaking to me and it's time for me to maybe step out from my group and start a group or maybe I've never never been in a group, but I'm ready to maybe think about that. The connect desk is right back here. You see the large word that says connect. So that's the hint that that's the connect desk. On there, there is a stack of packets and those packets are information about how you 
And yeah, I'm talking about you can actually start and lead a life group. And it's got some tools there for you to think about and get started and contact us. And and one of our ministry staff will visit with you some more about that. But also those ministries out there, we're pumped about that. So many ways you can serve and engage in the life of our churches. We don't only just serve within here, but we serve out there in our city. So take some time today to check that out. I think it's going to be really important to do that. Now, I want to do something a little different this morning as we get started. Some of you know that most Sundays we take time to have a dedicated prayer time, and I want to do that right now at the front of the message, but I want to pray very specifically for a couple groups of people. If you are in the room this morning and you are a life group leader or facilitator, or if you are a ministry leader and help run one of our ministries out in the lobby, I would like you to stand up right now so we could recognize you and then remain standing so we can pray over you. Can we just celebrate these folks standing up around the room? Very good. Now, remain standing, y'all. We, we, we have many that will be in the second service. I'm aware of that as well. But, but we just want to pray over not only those of you in this room, but everybody who helps serve and lead in our church and those who uh, just really step out, and it's a commitment to step in and lead these ministries and lead these life groups, and we are so, so thankful for you, and we just want to pray that the Lord would continue to bless you as you've blessed us. So church family, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? Let's pray over these ministry leaders. Lord Jesus, we are so, so grateful for the life groups that you have given us in this church family, for the connection that we are able to have because of those groups. And Lord, we're also thankful for the ministry leaders. It's another way we can connect through service. And God, I just pray that you would bless each and every one of them like they have blessed us. And Lord, I ask that you would help us as your people to see the importance of what it means to really be the church. God, we don't want to just come to church. We, we want to be the church. And uh, these aren't the only ways we can do that, but these are some of the primary ways in which we can find ways to, to love, serve, and grow together as the people of God. So thank you for these leaders. I pray that you would just empower them, strengthen them to be able to strengthen others. Lord, I know the weariness that these leaders feel sometimes. I, I know the impatience that they may be, that the, the devil would love just to put in their hearts and minds. Lord, I know the struggles that they feel some days, and I pray, God, that you would just encourage them, remind them that you are with them, and that everything in their ministry or group is right on track with your plan. So, God, I pray that you would just keep all of these leaders close to you so that they can lead well, because, Lord, all the organization and strategy doesn't mean anything if they're not close to you. So, Lord, would you keep these leaders close to you and your will? And I pray, God, that these life groups and these ministries and even future life groups that are to come, people who are sitting down right now that you've already stirred in their heart to consider starting a group, Lord, I pray that you would help us as your church to use all these resources you've given us to be a church that reaches, teaches, lives, and loves like you. So thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Leaders, thank you so much. You can be seated. Uh, Man, what a joy to to be here today and get to celebrate in such a tangible way. Uh, We celebrate you often, but it's just cool to see the physical demonstration of the leadership in our church. So thank you so, so much. So let's direct our attention to the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 7. I'm reading today out of the Christian Standard Bible. And it says this, the subheading in the the CSB says, End Time Ethics. So if you wanted an end-time sermon, let's go. Verse 7 says this, The end of all things is near. 
Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray again. I know some of you are like, we just got done praying. Do you know you can pray more than once? I just want to encourage you to maybe try that sometime. Let's ask the Lord for his help as we seek to understand his word. God, we, we want to wrap our lives, our families, and our church family around this text. So would you just bring it to bear on our souls today, Lord? Help us to think about this in a way that will be honoring and pleasing to you. It's for your glory and for your name that we do this. Amen. Well, I don't know, some of you might perhaps be fans of like a kind of the apocalyptic movie slash TV show genre. Any of you? Any of you willing to say that? All right, take all the names down. We're going to pray for y'all. Ah, I got you. Uh, but, but listen, I, they all kind of follow a pretty similar theme, don't they? Like the, the world is ending, be it a, you know, a little too soon, but like a pandemic-y thing that sweeps through and starts wiping everybody out. Or uh, maybe it's an alien invasion that comes and the world is never going to be the same. The whole planet's going to be obliterated. Or, or the classic trope of an asteroid is coming and scientists have figured out that through all of their algorithms, Algorithms that it's coming very close to us and this is going to be the end. And all of these shows and movies kind of have a predictable arc, right? Uh, usually a random group of people that would never associate with one another in regular life find themselves together in a group and they have to co- overcome ridiculous obstacles in order to try and survive. And they kind of end in a couple of ways, right? Like uh, some of them have happy endings. The world doesn't end. And they realize that, you know, life should be different. Some of them are kind of melancholy endings where the world does end. But together they figured out what life was really about before their life was over, right? Like so they kind of have all kinds of different flavors to that. But generally speaking, what you see in Hollywood is that at the end of the world is coming. Everybody panic. The end of the world is coming, everyone freak out, you know, in in all of these shows, the similarity that happens, there's always like the guy with the sandwich board that says, the end is near, slashed out, the end is here, and and there's always people looting, and people are getting murdered, like it's just wild and crazy. But what I want to say to you this morning is that I don't really think that's what it would look like. Now certainly I think chaos and crazy will occur when the end of the world is happening, but I think that, let's just be honest, if you knew that today was your last day on earth, I believe that some of you would probably try to have some special conversations with some special people. I think some of you, if you knew that the world was ending today, you would want to have some meaningful conversations with people you have meaningful relationships with. And I think what Peter is trying to get at here in this text is something that we need to understand this morning that when chaos and crazy comes, our natural intuitive response is not to go loot Best Buy, but, but our natural and intuitive response is to think about those that we care about. So what Peter is saying in this text with a really shocking phrase, the end of all things is near, happy connection Sunday, right? 
That's kind of shocking, isn't it? The end of all things is near. And here's what he says. Because this is true, because the world in which we find ourselves is crazy and chaotic and getting crazier and more chaotic by the day, the call for us as the people of God is to get serious about being the people of God. To get serious about these commitments to which we have been called to be alert Be sober-minded. That word sober-minded means laser-focused. To be intense and think about who we are and who it is that God has called us to be. Be laser-focused on prayer. Did you know that when you pray, that's when the Lord reminds you who you're supposed to be? Have you ever been mad at somebody and then you prayed about it? And then when you got done praying, you were like, I kind of still wanted to be mad about it, but I'm not mad about it anymore. (laughs) Anybody else? Some of you still have, some of you have that spiritual gift of still being mad late. You got to pray more, all right? But Peter says the world is crazy and getting crazier. And here's what you need to know about the people that Peter was writing to. If you go to chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 Peter, here's what he says. To the elect exiles. Some translations say the aliens. Here's what he's saying. To those of you who have had to leave everything. So basically Rome was oppressing Christians so bad that many Christians were having to pick up everything they owned, everything they had ever known, grab their kids, and get out of Dodge so they wouldn't be murdered. So he is writing this letter and it is being passed around to churches really all over the world who had had to run for their very lives because their lives were in danger. These people were going through it. it like if you think America in 2022, whatever year it is, is bad, just get in a time machine and go back and try to be a Christian in this day. Christians were being murdered by the evil emperor Nero. He was literally taking the bodies of Christians and putting them on top of stakes and lighting them up to use them as torches for the parties he was throwing at his place. Tell me about your persecution again. Right? So riding to this group of people, he says the end is near. You know, they probably felt that in a very real way. So he said, here's what you need to do as things get crazier and crazier in your world. You need to get closer and closer to the Lord and to one another. Be alert. Be intentional. Get connected. So the title of this message today is, it's the end of the world, so get connected. (laughs) It's the end of the world, so get connected. So I want to tell you there are many ways to do this. So like I think it'd be easy for me as a pastor on Connection Sunday to be like, if you're serious about connection, you better get in a group. You better get in one of those ministries. Otherwise, you're not connected. And if you ain't connected, it's going to be bad. But, but that's not real life, right? There are other ways that some of you are connected within the body of Christ. Maybe you're not in, in a life group, but maybe you serve in some different ministries and it's kind of like a life group. And they're like, I just got to tell you, I feel like I'm in like six life groups at this church. But none of them are called life groups. But it's small groups of people that reg- gather regularly and pray for one another and talk about different things. So some of you may be connected in different ways. But what I want to say today is that really the primary vehicles for connection at Crossroad are these ministries where you serve with one another and these life groups where you do life with one another. So scientists and sociologists have basically arrived at the conclusion that someone can only have about 150 relationships in their lives. 
you can only really stay connected to about 150 people. Now, obviously, those are different levels of relational connection, so it's not like you're going to have 150 best friends, right? But there are about 150 people, 150, I'm so country. You better have 150, like 150, 150 connections that are meaningful in your life. That's what the average person can have and maintain. So, so here's the question like today on this campus, there will be somewhere between three and 400 people. And on any given month at Crossroad Church, somewhere between six and 800 people will attend once during the month, and they will call themselves Crossroaders. They'll say, this is my church family. So how in the world are we supposed to be connected when our church is like four to five times what science says you can actually connect to? That's why these smaller groups become important for us. And while we hope that you feel warmth when you gather here as the people of God uh, on Sunday mornings, we hope that you get connected on a deeper level that changes your life on a day-by-day-by-day basis. Why? Because the end is near. So what I want to tell you this morning is this isn't going to be sales pitchy. I'm not going to be, you know, talk about all the different groups and here's the life group philosophy. I'm not going to start, you know, showing you slides about the different ministries. I'm going to let you go walk around and, and hang out and, and do that on your own here in a few minutes. What I want to do is teach the word and what the word says about getting connected. And I want to encourage you to do that in whatever way you can. But I want to tell you what we have to offer you here are these groups and these ministries. So what does it look like for us to live a life of connection? Because the end is near, we need to get connected. How do we actually do that? Well, the first thing I want to say is that we need to live a life of love. Live a life of love. Verse 8 says, above all, say that with me, above all. So that's like in the original Greek, that means above all. The most important thing, the main thing, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. What did Jesus say a few weeks ago in Matthew 22? All the law and the prophets. Guys, that is an astounding statement. I'm still not over Matthew 22. All the law, they're like the, old, the whole Old Testament. He's like, hey, I got you. Love God and love people. It's all about love. So above all, maintain constant love for one another. And he said, since love covers a multitude of sins. That's a pretty astounding phrase from the Old Testament, right? Love covers a multitude. So listen. What does that mean? Well, I want to tell you that your love doesn't cover anybody's sins. But the love that God has for us has covered our sins in such a way that we're actually free to love one another. And here's what some of you need to hear me say today. Oh, you so need to hear this part. Like, you could just, like, forget life groups. You need this, okay? Listen to me. God loves you. He really does. Like, I'm talking about you. He really really loves you. Not because you're special. Sorry. If I, you know, go back to school and find the cool posters that will tell you all that. Not, not because of anything that you have done, but God loves you because of his character, and he loves you because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
The gospel is the good news that you and I were sinners. Every single one of us was separated from the love of God because of our sin. But God loved you and me enough that he sent Jesus to come live a perfect life. And even though he lived a perfect life, uh, the authorities didn't like that. The Romans, the the same ones that were hanging Christians, used them as torches. Those same guys and the Jewish religious leaders said, we got to kill this guy. He's starting a revolution. But there was something bigger than a religious and political murder that was happening as Christ hung on the cross. The Bible tells us that as Jesus hung on the cross, that the wrath of God that you and I deserve because of our sin was poured out upon Christ. And that he paid the penalty for your sin and my sin, and it cost him his life. He went to the grave and took sin and death with them. But guess what? Three days later, he rose again. God raised him from the dead, victorious, over sin and death. So here's what the Bible says. If you call out to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't fix myself, but I know you died on the cross for my sin, so I want to give you my life. So I surrender everything to you. I I surrender to you as my Savior and my Lord. At that very moment, the Bible says that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you for the sin in your life anymore. Instead, he sees you as perfect and holy because of what Christ did for you. Here's the problem, Christian. Here's the problem. Too many of you are still living with guilt and shame. Ooh, and that makes for some messy, messy relationships. Like your church relationship is all about guilt and shame. Some of you like, you know, gasp, sinned this week. Spoiler alert, all of you did. And those of you in here who are like, well, I think I did pretty good. Pride, there you go, boom. (laughs) But if you're coming in here with guilt and shame, you, you need to hear me say this. That will kill you. That is a tool of the enemy. You have been freed in Christ. Why? Because God loves you right now just the way you are today. Right here, right now. The power of the gospel means that he loves you in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your stuff. He loves you. Do you believe that? So so here's the thing. If you believe that, here's the power of the gospel. Above all, maintain constant love for one another. How do we do that? When you are perfectly loved by your perfect heavenly father, it frees me to love you regardless of whether you reciprocate in the ways that I'm used to feeling and experiencing. Do you hear that? So that means I'm going to love you. And even if you're like, I can't stand that guy and I hate him, that's okay because I have all the love that I need from Jesus, so I can love you even if you don't love me back. Some of you, this teaching right here would change your life if you believed it, but you're all looking at me like a calf staring at a new gate. And that's the problem with the modern church. You wanted me to be like, y'all start loving people. Have a great day. You can't really love people until you've experienced the love of Christ. You gotta believe that you're loved. And I, y'all, I struggle. I'm, on the, I'm like the driver of the struggle bus with this, okay? And, and can I tell you the problem with pastors on that struggle bus is we open the door and say, y'all, come on. Sit in, sit in row three, you know, seat B, and I wanted to give you a list of rules we're going to try to follow as a church next week. That doesn't work. 
But can I tell you what works? The gospel of Jesus Christ. When you know that you are loved, it frees you to love others in a radical and ridiculous way. And that's the kind of love, by the way, that grows a church. You want to start a church growth program? Well, let's get, you know, we're going to talk about evangelism because we love people, not because we're trying to grow a church. You want to grow a church? John 13 says, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples, your love for one another. So if we want to get connected, we've got to start loving one another. The second thing we see in this text is that we've got to serve one another with joy. Why do those last couple words have to be in there? Verse 9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Some of you thought your spiritual gift was complaining and grumbling. Like, I took the test, that's what it, like, you know, the person told me, like, I've never seen this result on the spiritual gifts inventory, but I was like, sarcasm and complaining, wow, there it is. But that is not a spiritual gift. We are called to serve one another. Again, once we love one another well, we recognize that, that every single one of us is a flawed human being, that we are all sinners who have been transformed by the grace of Jesus. Can I tell you what that does? The text said a minute ago, love covers a multitude of sins. So I can't forgive your sins, but can I tell you that when I realize that you are a sinner who is being transformed by the grace of Jesus, when you sin against me, can I tell you it's easier for me to forgive you when I recognize that? Some of you are holding grudges against people because they weren't acting like saints. Go figure. They're not going to. And to expect them to do that is ridiculous. And can I tell you what it ends up doing? It makes you sin. They sin against you, and then you sin back, and you're like, well, there you go. I guess I showed them. But the Lord invites us to serve one another, to be hospitable, to care for one another. Man, can I just tell you, this is an American struggle. All these ministries out here, it's hard to serve people when people don't really, we want instant gratification, we want to sponsor a compassion kid and get a letter in three weeks that says, hey, my name is so-and-so, and, -so, and you've, your $5 really helped me. Thanks for not drinking Starbucks this week. But we don't want to actually go and serve homeless people who don't seem grateful for us. We don't want to reach out to people who, who may not immediately, you know, give us a hug and tell us thank you for changing my life. Here's what we got to understand. Do you remember a few weeks ago when we said the Bible teaches us people are in process? Every single person you encounter is on a journey. Jesus is changing them. Jesus is working in their lives. And can I tell you what I'm guilty of as a pastor? I want to fix them immediately. I'm a fixer. I'm like, all right, well, here's what we got to do. Follow these five things and boom, you'll, you'll have it figured out. But that, that's not how the Lord works. Is that how the Lord works in you? It certainly isn't how he worked in me. But loving people where they are and leading them to his truth, to the word of God with love and grace, that takes time. It takes hospitality. It takes kindness. We got to do that as the people of God. To get connected, we have to love people, but we also have to serve with joy. The third thing I want us to see in this text is that we have to serve with purpose. Verse 10 says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. God has uniquely created you, wired you, and given you a gift that he's calling you to use for the glory of God. 
I want you to hear me say that again. God has uniquely created you and gifted you so that you can use your gift for the glory of God. And here's what that may not look like. That may not look like you going out into the lobby and saying, all right, got to find one of these things. Pastor Rusty talked about serving, so i got to find one of these places and sign up and serve today. Oh, can I tell you that people very often come up to me and say, hey, Rusty, i got this great idea. It's a really awesome ministry. Here's what I think we need to do. Well, let's do this. And they give me their great idea. And you know what I usually tell them? That's awesome. Go do it. And they're like, well, you mean like, you know, so is that going to be a cross? And I'm like, we don't have to make this a crossroad thing. If you need help, we'll, we'll try to help you. Why don't you just go and do what it is that the Lord's called you to do? Be passionate about it. Make it happen. Can I tell you what our ministries out here are? Our ministries out here are what I like to call, and don't, don't get offended before I'm done explaining this, okay? Ministry leaders, don't get offended. The ministries out here are what I like to call training wheels. Now, can I just tell you that our ministries and ministries leaders out there, they're like straight up Harley Davidsons, all right? So don't, don't think I'm hating, okay? But, but here's our heart with these ministries. We want you to find a ministry where you can maybe learn how to serve. Some of us are there, right? Like some of us, you're like, man, you're talking to me about starting a ministry? I don't even know what it means to serve. Guess what? We've got ways for you to get involved and find ways to serve and find what it is that you're passionate about. And when you find what it is you're passionate about, guess what? Go do it. We want to free you to go and do that and make that a reality. And we as a church want to try to equip you and help you do that. And there are ministries out there that just started because somebody got passionate about it and it grew beyond their ability to do it on their own. So they're like, hey, can some people from the church help? And we're like, yeah, let's make that happen. And they've grown into what they are today. We've got some out there that are literally just starting today. I see Miss Teresa sitting in front row. Sorry, you get a name called out here. Mercy Mats out there. Like, Miss Teresa just got a heart for this. And man, they're like up and going. And you need to check that out because it's ridiculously amazing what they're doing, making these awesome mats for the people who are struggling with homelessness. And, and there's this cool stuff that God just put on her heart, and, and you maybe have something that the Lord has put on your heart, and I want to just give you freedom to go and serve. Did you know that you don't have to have like a crossroad shirt made for every little thing you want to do that's service? Guys, we, we're, this, we're not a brand. Quit it. We're not a brand. Like, we are Jesus people. Jesus people. We just want to go and serve everywhere we're going. So we want to serve with purpose. So today's call is not to just get out there and sign up for something. What are you passionate about? Serve with purpose. Do what it is that the Lord has called you to do. Last thing I want to share with you is so important. <clears throat> really just is my heart for our church. We need to be serving for the glory of God. The, the last verse in our passage said, If anyone speaks, let it be one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides. Why? So that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. He, here's what you need to hear me say today. In the words of the great theologian Yeezy, this is a mission, not a show. We're, we're not here at church to entertain you. We're not here to try to grow bigger and be bigger and better church so we can add a third service and get more ministry. Listen, that's not our heart. 
We want to be Jesus people who are living for the glory of God, making a difference in this city so that when we're long gone and when Crossroads' name is nowhere in our t-shirts and cool gear or in a landfill somewhere, Jesus' name will still be lifted high in our city because of what we've done. That's our heart. So, so let me tell you what today is not. Again, and I know I've caveated this several times, but I want to say it by reminding you of what we talked about all the way back on the first weekend in October. Remember that? That was good times, wasn't it? On that day, we said that our church isn't a cruise ship. And some of you love the cruise life, right? Like, I've actually never been, but those of you who've been on them, man, people talk to me, they're passionate about a cruise. Man, you, you eat what you want, when you want. They have amenities. You can go do anything. You, like, if sports is your thing, man, you can go and you can hit golf balls off the back deck. If you want to go shoot hoops, you can play basketball. If you want to go to an arcade, you can go and play games. If you want to go and eat the finest food in the world, you can do that. Or you can go and get some nachos on the third day. Like, you can basically do whatever you want to do. They have something for everybody. But can I tell you, it takes a bunch of people to maintain a cruise ship. Can I tell you what this message would be if we were a cruise ship church? Guys, we really need y'all to sign up for some ministries and get in a life group. We just need you to do it so bad because we can't keep this cruise going without you. Can I tell you what I'm wanting to do today? The captain of the cruise ship is about to crash this thing into the port. We're done. We don't want to be a cruise ship We want to be, we said a few months ago, an aircraft carrier. We want to be a place where the people of God arrive and come in to refuel, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be reminded of what the mission is. And yes, we have these ministries, right? And like we we want you to even learn and be instructed so that then you can go out and serve. We want you to come and be refreshed, encouraged, challenged, built up, discipled, so that we can then, when service is over every single week, send you out into every nook and cranny of the greater Wichita area for the glory of of God, not for the glory of Crossroad. So I don't want you going out and talking about how cool your cruise is. Can I tell you what happens? People come to our church because they, and you can tell them that God's doing great things at Crossroad. I'm not telling you to stop doing that. But can I tell you what happens? People will come expecting us to be something we're not sometimes. And I'm like, yep. They're like, you're the pastor? Yep. (laughs) So do we have like, you know, can we throw our kid down like a super mega slide and they hand you a latte as you're walking? Like, nope. We do have some opportunities for you to invest in your own children, though, if you want. We do have some really good discipleship stuff going on where you can just dive into the Word with people. We have some groups where you can just kind of learn to do life with one another. A couple times a year, we let them throw up tables and give out donuts. That's pretty awesome. Guys, this is our heart, though. We don't want to make Crossroad famous. We don't want to make Rusty famous. We don't want to make your church famous. We want to make Jesus famous. So this is our heart. And I want to return at the end of this message to what I said at the beginning. Sorry. That's, that's good to know. If I want to just speak in secret, I can just be like, it's like an NFL coach. Did you know we're watching the Super Bowl tonight? Yeah, that was planned. That's a tie-in. I'm kidding. They're not going to come after that. Uh, so, bad jokes reduce attendance by 50%. But here's what I want to tell you. This matters. Why does it matter? Because the end is near. 
Jesus is coming soon. There is going to be a day where it will be too late for us to seek to connect with each other and seek to get other people connected. There will be a day when we're not able to tell the lost people in this community about Jesus anymore. So as long as the Lord leaves us here in our post in West Wichita, we want to be proclaiming the name of Jesus because it makes an eternal difference. John was just finishing his fourth alcoholic beverage of the morning when he decided that he wanted to drive around for a few minutes so he got in his truck and started driving through the small community that I used to pastor in and he drove toward our church which had a you know was kind of built up on a hill and he'd heard about uh, this you know kind of different kind of thing going on at this church and he thought you know maybe I should see what all the fuss is about at that church so he pulled in and he walked into church well in a small community of a couple thousand people most people knew John, and John walked in, and people were just like, John came to church. I love John. John didn't know what words you weren't supposed to use at church. Day one, he's out there. Someone says, you want some coffee? Bleep, yeah, I want some coffee. They're giving him coffee, and people are just like, I don't know what to do with this guy. He stays, and somebody said, we had two services at the time, some, and he came to first service. Somebody after the first service said, hey, why don't you come to our small group? They met on campus right after the first service. So he went. He stuck around. A few weeks later in that group, John gave his life to Christ. And he has written down in the front of his Bible the day that he gave his life to Jesus. John needed help. He, he was lonely and had some struggles, so he needed to be involved. So John got involved. Pretty soon he was running the slides on Sunday mornings. Never forget walking in one day. People were already gathered. There were some visitors sitting about four rows in front of the sound booth. And John said to me, this blanking thing's not working, Rusty. <clears throat> and I just said, yeah, I've used that word myself during the week when there aren't people sitting here, John. <laughs> but can I tell you, John, John's still not perfect. John still you know, has his struggles, no doubt. But John's life was changed. Why? Because he just found a place and got connected. But the reason I share that last part with you is because, yes, yeah, certainly some of you in here, I'm encouraging you to take the initiative to get connected. Crossroad family, if somebody hadn't asked him to get connected, he wouldn't have. If somebody hadn't loved on him that day, can I tell you that drunk man might have gone home and might this day be dead but because somebody cared enough to reach out, his life's changed. You can make that difference today. In this room right now, throughout the week as you're encountering people, not for Crossroad, but for Jesus. It's the end of the world. Let's get connected. Lord, I thank you for this message today. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for the way that you just let it unfold out of your word, God. There, there's nothing special we're doing here. They're just reading your word and teaching it. So thank you for what you're doing here. I pray, God, that you would bless this day, bless this church, and even these next few minutes as people have time to mingle around and visit and connect with one another. I pray, Lord, that you would let some real connections happen here that change lives, that become testimonies years down the road. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said... 
hey, listen, this is going to be a little different this morning. Usually at this point in the service, we have a response time, and we, we pray for one another. We're here if you need to pray, and we kind of have a song. But today, we are kind of doing a cold close. So what that means is in just a minute, I'm going to say you're dismissed. And what we're going to do, our, our group leaders are going to be at their tables, our ministry leaders are going to be out there, and we want you to intentionally take a few minutes to walk around and connect with some people. Maybe you're not interested in being in a group yet, but, but don't leave here. If you're a Crossroad family member, hear me when I say this. You may not be interested in a ministry or group, but if you're part of the Crossroad family, I'm speaking directly to you because I'm your pastor and I love you. Don't leave here without connecting with a couple new people today. Do you hear me? If you're a guest, let me speak a little sweeter to you. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us, and we encourage you, and I pray Crossroad family will be looking for you to connect with you, and we hope that you feel the love of Christ in this place. Church, I love you. It is a great joy to be your pastor. Are you glad you came to church today? Amen. So here's the thing. Would you stand up? And with that said, let's get connected. It's Connection Sunday. God bless you. Uh, go visit and enjoy this time together. You're dismissed.